My name is Leif Arneson. My brother Anders and I are on a mission to help 1 million vegans get into the best shape of their lives. We firmly believe that the more healthy and fit vegans there are, the faster we can change the world. Let's work together to inspire change, spread compassion, and challenge the status quo. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. Rip Esselstyn is a man of many talents and interests. He's been known as a professional triathlete, firefighter, best-selling author, entrepreneur, whole food plant-based advocate, world record holding swimmer, loving husband and father, and many other things. In this episode, we talked about the future of veganism, the optimal diet for health, his entrepreneurial journey in starting one of the fastest growing food companies in the world, advice that he would give to his younger self, and much more. I loved talking with Rip about veganism, fitness, and entrepreneurship, and I hope you enjoy listening. Here's my conversation with Rip Esselstyn. So I really love how you never shy away from doing hard things, uh, whether it's long hours of training, it's grueling races, it's firefighting, it's writing your first book, despite all the fears that you had in kind of taking that leap. Building a food company, especially in the midst of COVID, as I was starting to go on. So I'd love to know what really drives you to do hard things. What really motivates you to do all this stuff? <laughs> um, it's one of those things where sometimes you don't know uh, what you're getting into, <laughs> right? And before you know it, you're just you know you're you're knee deep into whatever passion or project that you've decided to tackle next. And you're like, wow, that's, that was not easy. But, um, you know, I, th I think at the end of the day, um, it's, it's fun to do hard things, uh, especially when you feel like you're doing it with other people. I, uh, I typically... Uh, I've done a lot of hard things by myself, but I enjoy doing hard things uh, more when you're part of a team and you get to celebrate at the end of the day, right? Those accomplishments, those achievements with your, the team that you've assembled. Um, so that was one of the great things about, you know, firefighting, right? We, um, we were working as a crew, you know, for years before that, um, a good 10 years, I was doing triathlons which was, which was very, um, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of training on your own. You know, there's some things you're training with people, but for the most part, that is a solo effort, right? Especially come, come race day. Um, and so for me, it was a nice change of pace going from doing the triathlons full time for over a decade to then becoming a, a firefighter with the city of Austin, where I'm working with typically four, uh, four other guys or gals and we're helping people and saving lives and, and doing good deeds. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, for 10 years, uh, after I wrote the engine Two diet book, my first book, speaking of which, you know, writing, writing a book that is, that can be a very lonely, difficult endeavor as well. Uh, although I did, I aligned myself with a really great writing coach who, who helped me. So I didn't feel like I was 
kind of going down that road completely alone. It was nice to have somebody that really knew the the art of of, of writing. Um, but after I wrote the Engine Two Diet book, I I got an offer from Whole Food Market stores, specifically John Mackey, the CEO, to come on board as a healthy eating ambassador. And uh, there was a lot of teamwork involved there because I was working with a lot of different teams at Whole Foods uh, to kind of accomplish certain goals, whether it was a healthy eating team to roll out the 28-day challenges and all the Whole Food Market stores for the first couple of years, whether it was rolling out the Engine 2 Plant Strong brand of food products that was a Whole Food Market exclusive brand. So I was working with the exclusive brand team, the food team on that one, uh, graphic designers, you know, lawyers, uh, supply chain. You know, So that was, that was kind of exciting. Um, what was lonely and very hard was being on the road 80 to 100 days a year away from my family um, and giving all these lectures. That, that was always hard. Although I will say, as soon as I walked into a Whole Food Market store, didn't matter where it was in the United States, Canada, or the UK, it was always very, they were always very welcoming and it was almost like a, a, a family of sorts. So that was, that was nice. But yeah, you know, and then there's something about the sport of swimming that is just inherently so hard and you just grind. You just grind day in and day out, going up and down that pool, you know, doing your best to try and figure out ways to improve that I think it's, Somehow, in a sadistic kind of way, it's kind of uh, in just part of the <clears throat> part of the guts of swimmers is you're not accomplishing something if it's not hard and it doesn't hurt, right? Which maybe is not the the right mentality, but it's definitely been instilled in me a little bit. So long-winded answer to your question. Yeah. Well, I think hard work is really, that's what uh, has brought so many accomplishments to your life. And that's, um, I've gone through training for an Ironman that mm -hmm. is very lonely. It's very hard. Um, and uh, kind of going through all these other endeavors that you've done as well um, is just, uh, it's, yeah, it's just a testament to kind of your work ethic and what um, kind of that passion that you have for kind of living a purposeful life. So I think that's uh, I think that's really awesome. So you've Thanks. stated you stated in the next ten years or so that you hope we can eradicate animal agriculture from this planet, uh, not completely, but like we've done with smoking cigarettes, mm. and we've seen just tremendous growth in the adoption of plant-based diets and veganism over the last few years. But how do we bridge the gap between where we are now and a future where meat consumption is akin to smoking? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well. So you're right. You look back in the 1950s and 1960s, and we had over 50, if my, if my, my data is correct here, we had over 55% of Americans that were considered smokers. And today in 2022, 
if my numbers are right, it's less than about 16% of Americans are smokers now. So that effectively, we've effectively eradicated smoking here in the United States. We haven't eliminated it, but we've eradicated it and we've reduced it tremendously. And I think today we probably have 92 to 93% of Americans that are consistently consuming uh, animal products and animal byproducts uh, throughout the week. And we, we want to get that down well below 50%. Um, and by doing that, we will have helped to eradicate meat consumption here in the United States. And by doing it here in the United States, I think there will be um, a pretty good reaction that follows what follows our lead in a lot of other Western countries throughout the world, uh, and um, and affluent countries throughout the world that are currently you know eating meat. And I think what's going to happen here is more and more people are going to realize and get educated as to why eating animal products is not good for us as human beings. Why it's not good for the planet that is desperately crying out for help right now. Um, you know, we're in, we're in a world of hurt right now. And again, it's, you know, um, I just had a guy on my podcast last, last week, Celeste Rao, and he um, has recently written a paper that actually states that 87% of global greenhouse gas emissions are caused by animal agriculture, right? Close to 80 billion animals that we throughout the world now raise and then kill for our insatiable consumption of animal protein. So that is, that is more than alarming. That is ridiculous. And so we just need, we need this information to get out to people in a meaningful way so that they realize that the most powerful thing that they can do every day um, as an environmentalist is to not eat meat um, and not and not buy into that whole industry that is it's a murdering machine it's killing uh killing the planet and it's prematurely killing us so i think we're in a in a relatively good good point in humanity with the internet with the um with the the fire alarms that are going off right now and um for people to get the message and of course, you're going to have, you know, your naysayers and you have people that that don't want to give up, you know, their their meat. Uh, they'd rather have a in inhospitable, you know, planet than give up their meat. But I think those people are few and far between. So um, and frankly, uh, Leif, I think that um, we don't have a choice. So I think this will happen in the next 10 years. It's just a matter of um, how it happens, you know, the mandates that are, that are put out there. Um, you know, the fact that cellular, um, 
what's going on what's going on right now with cellular meats and that whole technology it is moving so fast and so furiously that i think in the next 5 to 10 years there's going to be no reason for us to have to um grow animals the way we currently do we'll be able to do it in a laboratory which will not have right one one hundredth the environmental impact that the current um, the current industry does. So I think we'll get there. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I think we'll get there. It's going to be interesting to see what path people choose between taking a more plant based approach, as there are new products such as the one that the mm. ones that you're introducing. Uh, if people take that path or if they start taking the lab grown meat path and it will be interesting to see all that play out. And, uh, I'm also curious to see how, what people's perceptions are of lab grown meats. And yeah, I think ideally. Yeah. Well, frankly, I don't really care at this point to me. It's like, we've got to, we've got to move. We got to move away from animal products and animal byproducts as fast as humanly possible and if there's a, a better option that will heal this planet and get people off of the meat and the what we're doing currently, you know, for you know, what we're doing with water, what we're doing with land, all these other resources, then frankly, it's like, yes, I would love people to be healthy and not do cellular meats. But if this is what it's going to take, then bring it on because... Um, you know, I want I want my kids and their kids to have a a planet that they can live on and live in. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a step in the right direction, uh, even if it's not the ideal scenario in our minds. It is definitely a positive step forward. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we all know you're all about living a plant strong life. So, what are strong foods, and why do they really matter? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Well, the strong foods are the foods that I want people to gravitate towards for optimal health and also um, to help heal the planet. And those just happen to be fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, and then limited amounts of nuts and seeds. Um, And all these whole plant-based foods that I just named, they are the true superheroes. They are, these are the foods that are going to kind of rock your health to the next level. If you have any kind of chronic Western disease, these are going to really help you to, um, to halt and in many cases reverse a lot of these disease processes. Uh, you look at what's what is swarming and swirling around in these foods from clean, unprocessed carbohydrates that fuel our close to 10 trillion cells in our body. You've got wonderful, healthy fats, for the most part, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, the essential fatty acids that our our bodies need uh, because we can't manufacture them on our own. So you've got clean burning, unprocessed carbohydrates that are in there. You've got healthy, essential fatty acids that we really need to get. And they are very prolific in whole plant-based foods. We've also got, 
you know, the whole protein um, thing that's going on here. And most people don't realize that all protein originates in plants. And so by eating that orange, that apple, that the steel cut oats, the, the kale, the broccoli, um, the honeydew melon, <clears throat> we're, all, we're getting the carbs, we're getting some fats, but we're also getting wonderful Goldilocks amounts of protein, um, preferential amount, or I, said, I should say a preferential type of protein that, uh, that's not going to wreak havoc on your bodies like, like animal protein does. And we can talk about that in a sec. And then, so in addition to those three macronutrients, carbs, protein, and fats, we're also getting a spectacular amount of fiber that 95% of Americans are deficient in because they're not eating whole plant-based foods. We're getting all kinds of water that, you know, what, we're 67% water. Plants are just just swimming in water, and so we love water. We also uh, we have all kinds of um, vitamins and minerals. Um, you know, there's really only 13 vitamins that we need as human beings, and 11 of those 13 originate from plants, so that's a, that's a great thing. And then minerals, there's about 17 major and minor minerals that we need as human beings, and minerals come from the ground, and so the best place to get your calcium, your magnesium, uh, all of these, these minerals, potassium, it comes from whole plant-based foods that are romping and playing in the dirt all day long with all these minerals. Um, so it's a great, retainable, absorbable source of minerals. And then we've also got <clears throat> antioxidants, um, you know, Leif. Uh, everybody wants antioxidants to help, you know, defend them, themselves from, um, from DNA damage, from free radicals, and plants on average have 64 times more antioxidants than animal products. That's huge. And then, of course, we've got uh, phytonutrients, plant nutrients uh, that help, again, uh, fight off oxidative damage. Uh, defend against uh, um, cell-damaging free radicals. And uh, there's over 20,000 known different phytonutrients that are pleasant in plant-based foods. So, you know, between your macronutrients and your micronutrients, you want to eat plants for the win. So that's, that's what I would call strong, a strong set of foods right there. Yeah, I concur. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about sodium. Uh, most people who are plant-based for health, especially, understand the benefits of avoiding oil and added sugar, but sodium is often overlooked. So can you tell us what a one-to-one -one sodium ratio is and why that matters? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> according to the Institute of Medicine, um, which is a very reputable medical organization, as human beings, we want to try and keep our uh, milligrams of sodium per day below 1,500 milligrams. Now, the sad reality is that most Americans are getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,500 to 5,000 milligrams a day. So it's almost three to five X the, uh, the amount that we should be. And 
this does a real number on our vessels. It contributes to hypertension. It contributes to stroke, uh, <clears throat> heart disease. We really have to um, figure out where all that excessive sodium is coming from, and we have to cut it out. And what, we'll, what, we'll, what we discover when we look at why is it that most Americans are consuming three to five X uh, that we should, it's because 80% of sodium is coming from processed and refined foods that come in a package, box, or a can, or when you eat out at a restaurant, right? All bets are off when you eat at a restaurant because they're just laden with with sodium. Um, I went into, I think it was TGIF Fridays, and your average entree, this is, you know, one meal <clears throat> was right about 4,000 milligrams and there were some that were over 8,000. So <clears throat> that's, a real, that's a real issue, Leif. And so what we got to do is we got to learn to read labels, uh, as I talk about in two of my different books. And, um, and I got this, this little tidbit of information from a brilliant nutritionist named Jeff Novick. And what we want to do is if we're, if we're reaching for a packaged box or a canned processed refined food, we want to make sure that the number of milligrams of sodium is at a one-to-one -one ratio with the number of calories per serving. So give you an example. Let's say we pick up a can of Amy's split pea soup, and there's 200 calories per serving. There's two servings in one of those little cans. So we want to immediately go down to the milligrams of sodium, and we want the milligrams of sodium ideally to be 200 or less. Now, what you're going to find is that most of these products have a sodium that is 400 to 800 milligrams of sodium. So it's almost, in many cases, two to six times the number that it should be. And that's a real problem. And it's not just soups. It's also... it's um, Oh, God, it is pasta sauces, it is broths, it's breads. I think that the number one source of sodium in uh, the American culture comes from bread uh, wow. that is notoriously pumped high. I mean, yes, wow is right. And just to give you a little example, it, it's hard for us to taste the sodium in bread because it's baked in there. Um, and to give you a little, a little quiz, what do you think has more sodium? A one-ounce serving of Lay's potato chips or one slice of bread? I would have said the potato chips, but you're... Uh, you. Yep. yep. So the answer is the bread typically has two times the amount that potato chips does. And that's because in the potato chips, the, so, the salt is right on the outside of the potato chip. And it hits our tongue and we know that is super salty. In the, in the bread, it's just it's baked in there along with everything else, and it's not as distinguishable. So this is why we, we recommend that you don't cook with with so uh, with salt, and instead, it's okay to use the salt shaker, but just use a little bit when your dinner is is basically served, and then a little bit of topical salt goes a long long way. Um, so. Between doing a little bit of topical salt, not cooking with, with salt, 
and then also learning how to read labels. And as a guideline, you know, this, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but it's a guideline. Keep the, the milligrams of sodium as close to the number of calories as you can. And of course, it depends. Like, you know, if, if all you're having uh, to eat that's out of a package box or can for the day is, let's say it's this soup, and everything else is, you know, watermelon and, and rice and, uh, and oranges and apples uh, and, um, you know, a big old kale uh, butter bean salad, then you're going to be okay if, you know, that, that, that can gives you 600 milligrams of sodium. But just know that just by eating whole plant-based foods throughout the day, you're going to get about 500 to 600 milligrams of sodium that's naturally occurring in the food. Yeah. Wow. So I know that uh, you're highly active. Uh, You've been an athlete all your life and you live in Texas. So do you still hold yourself to that one to one ratio or does that increase as your training and your sweat rate sweat rate increases and stuff like that? I do my best to do that one to one ratio just for overall health. Uh, And I feel as an athlete, you know, I am typically eating somewhere between three to 4,000 calories a day I'm, I'm, because I'm so active. And just by eating more, I'm getting more sodium throughout the day. Just like I'm getting more protein, I'm getting more fat, I'm getting more vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, water, all these things. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I do my best too to not eat eat out that much because I just know whenever you eat out, all bets are off. Although yeah. there is one place in Austin that um, that is as clean as they come, and it's called Casa de, de Luz, and I highly recommend it if anybody's uh, in the Austin area. Okay, I'll have to check it out next time I'm there. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about your food company. Uh, you're working mm-hmm. on some really incredible stuff. Uh, I've been a food entrepreneur in the past, and I know just how tough it is to get things off the ground. And you were talking a little bit earlier about your experience uh, with Whole Foods and how you built the Engine 2 line. But uh, a few years ago, you decided to go off and start that on your own. Uh, so between minimum order quantities, co-packers, distribution, warehousing, keeping shelves stocked, tight margins, and a bunch of other things, uh, I know that is a difficult industry to really break into. So what has your experience been with building a food company? Mm. Um, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, Right. Uh, it is, um, you got to have a certain stomach for it. And I've asked myself many nights at 3 a.m. when I've woken up, do I have the stomach for this? Um, and food is hard. And you just, you just went through the, the list there, right? From finding supplier partners that are willing to work within the, the guidelines, the very rigorous nutritional guidelines that we have. That's not easy. Uh, as you just said, you know, everybody uh, has minimum order quantities that they want you to meet. And that can be very challenging, especially as a startup, uh, as you're just getting launched. Um, you know, I had to, 
I had to do a, uh, a raise, right? I had to raise a whole bunch of money to get this thing off the ground. And so that required a whole skill set and, and a whole, you know, set of due diligence uh, as well. And then building the team uh, of, of people from somebody that can do product development to a chief operating officer uh, to finding an e-commerce team that can really help us grow uh, our D2C business that we're really excited about. You got to find sales team. You got to put together a sales team that can go out and, and sell your product into all the retailers that are out there, right? From Whole Foods to Sprouts to Wegmans, Kroger, you name it. And so, um, and then you got to stay on top of it all. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're a year and a half into the, uh, into the business right now. We um, have a very robust uh, and very um, loyal audience that uh, kind of keeps the lights on right now in our direct-to-consumer business. We currently have um, cereals. So we've got the Rig, Rips Big Bowl cereals. We've got three different varieties of that. We've got a multi-grain flake cereal as well that we just added uh, a couple months ago. Um, we also have granolas. We've got four different varieties of granolas that, um, that have no added sweeteners, which is pretty darn cool and, uh, no added oils, all hundred percent whole grain. So we, we like, we like the space that we're playing in and we like how clean we are as well. We've also got a no added oil, no added salt microwavable popcorn that's super convenient and a great snacking food. We also have um, really clean pizza crust kits. So it's a 100% whole grain pizza crust kit that also comes with a sauce pack, right? That's got a really clean uh, pizza sauce that you put on top of that. And then, and then Leif, we also have uh, our chilies, stews, and broths. So we've got four broths that are all no added sodium, no added oil, no added sugars um, that are fantastic to help people elevate their their cooking. Um, we've also got uh, two chilies and two stews. These are really quick, simple meal solutions where you just tear off the perforated top, put it into a microwavable safe bowl. And then you can heat it up in a minute and a half, and you've got uh, you got a meal. I like usually putting it on top of a bed of rice, some arugula, and I'm and I'm good to go. If you're for whatever reason wigged out by the microwave, uh, these uh, cook up very very quick and easy in a stovetop uh, pan as well. And then we're looking to constantly add different offerings to our our Plant Strong e-commerce channel. Um, just to kind of, because I want that Plant Strong website, plantstrongfoods.com, to be a um, almost like a place where people can go for all their Plant Strong needs. Um, and so the goal is to really blow that thing up from close to 20 different SKUs that we have right now to, uh, to 100 over the next several years. Yeah, 
I it's so awesome to see the work that you're doing and your just hyper dedication to the nutrition side of things is super inspiring and I just uh, I really admire that most food companies you mentioned Amy's earlier and these other kind of health foods um, peel back the curtain and it's not uh, exactly aligned with everything that we're talking about here so um, well you know what no that's a that's a good point and you know where we're where we are really wanting to differentiate and distinguish ourselves is not only you know being a 100% plant-based line of best for you food products but we also don't want to use all the usual suspects that most of these plant-based companies use to get people addicted to their products. So where we, I think, stand above the litany of plant-based food products that are out there, or I should say companies, is we truly want to be the healthiest, tastiest, most convenient plant-based brand ever. And um, most companies, you know, they're using the copious amounts of sugar, oil, um, salt, you know, you name it. And we're just, we're not, we're not going to go there. And so we're kind of appealing to the more sophisticated plant-based consumer that is looking for a best for you brand. Yeah. I love that. So there is a lot more that goes into creating a product than just coming up with a good tasting recipe um, between packaging, making sure that you've got a recipe that can actually be uh, manufactured in a um, cost-effective way. There are so many different variables that actually go into bringing a product from idea to market. What has been the most challenging product for you guys to create? Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> I will tell you that every product that we create has its own set of challenges. I mean, it's just, there's no such thing as an easy, bring in a, a product to market that was like super easy and a slam dunk. Every one of them, you have to go through anywhere from, you know, 30 to 100 different iterations before you get it right. You're going back and back and forth with your supplier partners um, then once you're done, all of a sudden you realize that there's an issue that you have, um, and it can be a myriad of things. Um, but like with our pizza crust kits, you know, because we are absolutely so clean, we were getting some molding issues going on and we're like, what in the world's going on here? Why are we having molding issues? You know, I thought that we'd figure this out. And what we figured the, the, the issue was is, so these pizza crust kits, they're made uh, and they're placed into this, um, it's this mapping technology, modified atmospheric, modified atmospheric packaging, uh, pressurized packaging, and it should last for four months, right? In, because they, they do a nitrogen flush, um, to get the oxygen out. But what we found out is that if the supply chain, in the course of the supply chain, 
there's a, an over 30 degree swing in temperature, you're more likely for condensation and then molding. And so it just so happened that we had a couple of truckloads that were going in a refrigerated truck, not our fault. And so we were getting this rash of molding that was going on. And so we eventually got to the bottom of it. We figured it out. Um, but, you know, not before we had to um, give gift cards to a whole bunch of customers that were getting some of this molding. But, you know, that's just one of many issues that goes on with food. And, uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm trying to think of, um, you know, over the course of my career with Whole Foods and, and this – Again, there's no such thing as a flawless launch. It it just it just doesn't happen. There's always something that goes on. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's been my experience too. So it, you aim to make Plant Strong a lighthouse for leading the plant-based food space. I love how you kind of have that vision for your brand. You mentioned a little bit about your growth plans in getting to 100 different SKUs over the next couple of years, but uh, could you talk a little bit more about your growth uh, goals with Plant Strong Foods and where you see yourself in the next five years? Yeah, so, um, so our goal is to grow as authentically as we possibly can. And then the hope is that, you know, the other things will take care of itself. Uh, you know, right now we are in about, <clears throat> we're in a little over a thousand different, uh, different stores right now. When I say stores, I mean doors. Um, and in a couple months, we should be in close to 2,500 different doors, um, and so, you know, the hope is we continue to grow at retail in a way that is, uh, that is sustainable. Uh, what I've learned is that a lot of companies, they, they are never profitable. And uh, all they're worried about is just getting into as many stores and doors as they can and just trying to increase that top line revenue so that they can then sell the company. And, you know, we have a little bit of a different growth trajectory. We, we want to do this in a responsible way, in an authentic way, in as profitable a way as we can. And so at retail, we're not going to, you know, damn the torpedoes and try and get into as many stores as we can. We're going to do it in a responsible way. And so we'll see where we are in four to five years. And then when it comes to the, uh, the D2C business, right? The e-com business. That is a space that we're super excited about. Um, you know, as you mentioned there, the margins are a little bit better. We love that we know who our customers are and we can, we can reach out to them. We can solicit them for, you know, what product would you like to see? What improvements would you like? It's a great, it's a great relationship that we have uh, on the D to C side of the business. So, um, yeah, I would love to see uh, that business just continue to, to flourish as we introduce more products, as more and more people uh, are gravitating towards a healthier 
plant-based, best-for-you uh, options. Um, yeah, and so in five years, if we do what we are supposed to do, we'll be in a great place. Yeah, I love all that. Yeah, uh, profitability is so crucial, mm -hmm. um, and that is uh, pretty elusive in the food industry, as you mentioned. So, uh, yeah, I think those are awesome plans. Uh, what what uh, uh, grocery store chains are you currently in? So we are, we're currently in Whole Foods uh, throughout the country. We are in a Metropolitan that's kind of in the, um, the northwest Seattle area. We are going to be in, um, in a couple months in six banners of Kroger Foods. So Fred Meyers and... Uh, I don't have the list right here, but five five others. If you go to our website, plantstrong.com, uh, you can see uh, all the different banners. Um, we just got a pretty promising um, uh, email from, um, from Sprouts. And so uh, in a couple months, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we'll be in, in all the different Sprouts locations. Uh, we're going to be in 150 HEBs. That's a store in, in Central Market. Those are stores that are kind of in the in Texas and the South area uh, as well. And then we're in a lot of, uh, of different uh, natural, natural grocery uh, store chains that have like two to 10 different stores uh, under their name. Um, but yeah, again, if, if somebody's really interested, just go to... Uh, plantstrong.com and, and you can see where we are. Yeah. You actually have a store locator on your website. So you can yeah. just, uh, for anyone listening who wants to check this out, you can just go to, uh, plantstrong.com and you can actually look at, uh, where their products are carried. Yeah. And we'll so, be carrying more and more and more throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, uh, I went plant-based after being diagnosed with cancer in college, uh, but many people don't have such a defined, compelling reason to prioritize their health. So what do you say to people who kind of just keep kicking the can down the road in terms of pr prioritizing their health? What you waiting for? <laughs> um, you know... <clears throat> Don't think you're bulletproof because nobody out there is bulletproof. And you look at the numbers, you look at the stats, and it actually proves out that, that most of us, uh, when you're eating the standard American diet, we don't come away unscathed. And all you got to do is look at your family history, and I'll bet you that most of us have uh, an insane amount of heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune diseases, that are absolutely everywhere. And, um, and so don't wait. I mean, don't wait until you have a confirmed uh, disease before you jump into this. Uh, I, I would suggest that you, you know, go, go plan strong. Uh, you'll be amazed how great you feel, uh, how good you look, and the ripple effect from you starting to change what goes into your body is going to be profound and far-reaching. And it will go way beyond just kind of how you feel and how you look. Um, you know, you're doing, you're doing the right thing by the planet. 
you're doing the compassionate and kind thing by the animals. And uh, there's some there's some karma there. There's some real karma there that that you that you should feel really, really good about. So to me, it's never too early to start eating clean, healthy, whole plant based goodness. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not just a ripple effect in your own life, but as you said, it's a ripple effect for the planet, for the mm-hmm. animals, for other people around you as well. That's been a profound thing that I've seen in my own kind of plant-based journey. I've um, I've uh, encouraged a lot of other people, my friends, family, others, to go plant-based as well. And that's been just a, a huge blessing. And I just feel really grateful for that opportunity. And I'm sure Absolutely. you feel very much the same way. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And, and to that, to that point, you know, nobody, nobody likes an obnoxious, um, vegan slash plant-based person. So I I recommend that you do it, uh, without being loud, without being obnoxious, without trying to force other people to, uh, eat the way you eat or see things the way you see or see things the way you see things but rather um, just be a great example, right? Be a great, be a lighthouse, not a tugboat, and uh, you'll do great. Yeah, love that. Yeah, and I I have always, over the past eight years since I went vegan, I've always viewed fitness as kind of my own personal form of advocacy. And I know that you really relate to that. So I know you've had a long athletic uh, career. You've done a lot of amazing things. And uh, in fact, in 2019, you set a world record in the 200-meter backstroke on uh, the 55 to 59 age group at uh, 20 uh, at 220. Uh, so first of all, congrats for that huge accomplishment, especially with everything else that you've had going on, uh, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to know, are you planning to take down the uh, 226 record next year when you turn 60? Is that on the road? Is, is, is that what the time is? Is it 226? Yeah, it's 226. Did, did you look it up? Uh, 226 point what? Do you know? Um, I don't know, actually. Okay, okay that's no. okay. So uh, am I planning on, you know, uh, I haven't given it too much thought, but I'm certainly, I train every day, or I should, well, I swim usually five days a week, but I do something every day. Um, and I think if it feels right, uh, I, I might go for it. I just know what's involved. In, in actually um, <clears throat> doing that and the toll it takes on my family. I've got three young kids. I've got a, a, a great wife. And so it would have to make sense in the, in the larger picture as well because I've realized that this can be a very selfish endeavor to go after. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also have a uh, early stage food company, so you actually have four kids. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that's, I uh, do. Good point. <laughs> that's a, a huge, huge kind of endeavor in its own. So, um, you attribute a lot of your success in life to following your passion. Uh, so, from triathlon to firefighting to writing a book and uh, now starting your own food company, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their direction in life? Hmm. Well, I would tell you, <clears throat> do your best to listen to 
your voice and not the voices of your parents, of your friends, of... um, Because so many people will tell you so many different things. And ultimately, the person that you've got to answer to is yourself. And I can tell you, when I I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin, and I was trying to figure out what my next move was, um, and I decided that I was going to try my hand at being a professional triathlete because I liked the black and whiteness of it. I liked that, you know, you could go out there and you train hard. And if you can put it all together on that day, you cross the finish line first and you win prize money. And so I just, I, there was something about that, that I, that I liked and I was called to. And I had a lot of people tell me that I was crazy. You know what? You just graduated from college, get a real job and start a real life. And I've done my best to never start a real life, right? I mean, between um, doing the triathlons for 10 years, then becoming a firefighter. And firefighters are really a bunch of guys and gals that never want to grow up, right? (laughs) And uh, so... And then, you know, so my first real job, so to speak, was when I decided to become a, a healthy eating partner with Whole Food Market Stores. Uh, and that was at the age of 45. So if you can figure out a way to just follow your inner voice, what really kind of truly makes you happy, um, and you know, nobody wants to get up in the morning and feel like, oh, God, I got I to gotta brave through a, another day of, of BS. That does not feel good. But what feels good is you're excited to wake up in the morning. You are so excited with the work that you're doing that you forget to eat lunch. That's always a good sign. In fact, I haven't had lunch today because I've just been so, so slammed doing things. Um, so... Uh, what that is for each person, only you know. Only you know. Um, and I would tell you that, you know, if, if you hate your current job, then figure out, you know, figure out ways to dive into your, your passion project um, before, I think, you, you, drop, you drop your job that's kind of allowing you to to earn money and, and, and keep a roof over your head and put food on the table. I think you, you need to know, you know, and maybe do a bit of a reality check. All right, what makes sense here? Do I need to like go full bore into my passion project or is that, am I not ready quite yet to do that? And do I need to wait a little bit longer before I have a little, a little more uh, of this kind of lined up and figured out? Um, so you got to weigh, weigh all those things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. It's such a personal call. Um, but I would rather be incredibly happy and broke than filthy rich and miserable. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think what your story really demonstrates is that you have just continually sought your passion and that changed over time and that's okay. And kind of discovering what you truly care about and allowing that to be kind of a lifelong pursuit and not say, oh, when I graduate college, I need to know what I'm doing for the next 40 years. Just being able to have the comfort in knowing that you are forging your own path and you're continuing to find what really inspires you. So I think that's a really important message. Very, very well said for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also like I started my career as an engineer and I had no intention of going into uh, this kind of line of work. And uh, that just was um, for, I think what you mentioned about uh, making sure that you're being Uh, honest with yourself about kind of the right point to jump into Mm -hmm. something. I do think that's really important. I personally jumped a little too early Mm -hmm. and it uh, was a little dicey for a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think just if you're in a job that doesn't truly fulfill you, just working in the morning, evenings, weekends to just uh, push forward that passion project. And then once you are actually uh, generating some profits, not just revenue, as we kind of touched on earlier, yeah. uh, that can be a good, good, uh, stepping stone to your next path. So very much. So. You said. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. So, uh, Rip, you've been so gracious with your time. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. What can our audience find at plantstrong.com? How can we best support your work? Um, yeah, just, uh, let us know where we can, kind of help out and, and follow you. Yeah, no, thanks, Leif. Um, well, you know, over the years, we have developed quite a um, quite an offering for different people, depending upon where they are on their PlantStrong journey. Um, so we do have an uh, online coaching program for people that want to have some hand-holding, want to be part of a more organized um, set of community members. So that's available. We also have our um, meal planner for people that are looking to take a lot of the thought out of meal planning. Uh, This is kind of an artificial intelligence meal planner that uses all of our criteria and will generate uh, all kinds of plant strong approved um, recipes along with grocery lists that uh, also can link up with Instacart so you can have your groceries delivered straight to your door. So it's pretty, pretty trick. And you put in like your different criteria, like, um, I don't want to use, you know, soy products. I'm cooking for three people. Um, this is my, the amount of money I want to spend. This is how much time. And it will generate, um, recipes based upon those criteria you put in there. So that's pretty cool. Then, of course, we have our retreats. Uh, We have our six-day retreats. We have one in Sedona, Arizona, the latest one, or I should say the most, yeah, the the next offering is going to be in Sedona, Arizona in October. And these are just incredible um, uh, events where you get to kick it with the whole Plant Strong team and then we have one in the spring in Black Mountain, which is outside of um, 
Asheville, North Carolina. Highly recommend those for people that, that want a, a more of an immersive experience. And then, of course, we have our, our food line, right? The best way to check that out, check that out is go to plantstrongfoods.com, and you can see everything we have there. And as you said, you can also go and check out the map where, uh, where our chilies and stews and broths are offered at retail as well. Um, and then we have all kinds of free stuff. We've got our free community uh, on, on Mighty Networks. Just go to plantstrong.community.com with close to 30,000 people uh, that are there to help each other out. And uh, we've got our free, uh, a lot of free different webinars and, uh, and seminars. I've got the podcast, as you know about as well, that, that airs every Thursday, a new episode. Um, trying to get the good news about plants out to as many people as possible. And um, let's see what else. Um, yeah, I, I think that's about it for now. That should have most people covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So just to clarify, the best way for people to, uh, I guess, just um, supporting your uh, Plant Strong food line, whether they're getting it in the grocery store or online, but uh, it is more helpful to you for people to buy products online, for people to s- subscribe to uh, your Plant Strong food products and stuff. Is that the best way for people to support you in that way? You know what? Uh, and anyway, anyway is great if you want to, um, you know, if you want to experience this. Obviously, you know, there's a certain convenience in getting it, it shipped straight to your door. But I understand for 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 some people, they might want to go into the store and actually see and look at the product, uh, and, and that makes sense. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, and then also, you know. Um, I also got an Instagram channel, right, at Rip Esselstyn uh, on Instagram. If if uh, if people are looking for you know some 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 cool messaging uh, throughout the week, yeah, awesome. Well, Rip, I just really appreciate everything you've done to inspire me and millions of other people along their plant based journeys. Uh, the work that you're doing and your family is doing is just incredible, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on here. I know you've got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, so be sure to go eat lunch and, uh, yeah. thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Leif. All the, uh, all the best to you and all the great work you're doing. Thank you. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode to take the next step in your vegan fitness journey and get access to all our best content for free. Check out theveganjim.com. We'll teach you everything you need to know to torch body fat, break through plateaus, build lean vegan muscle and supercharge your health. Get started right now at theveganjim.com. Until next time, peace, love, and gains.